0: sits down with former badgers to break down the season whether it's on defense or offense we got to put it to the team immediately. talk about that that's the hardest thing to pick
1: up.
2: i would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive
0: and i think that's when our run game started going this is the wisconsin football roundtable now here's your host zach Heilprin on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
3: Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin football roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. We've got four Badgers: Brady Ewan, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor with us. No game last week for the Badgers; they were on their bye, and so are we, I guess. Uh, but we did have uh, a game before that. Wisconsin went down to Columbus, uh, and they were fourteen and a half point underdogs, and promptly lost by thirty-one. And the uh, the game <laughs> it was it was it was a close game, ten-seven in there in the third, and then. Ohio State uh, scored on four straight possessions and it was no longer a close game. But Wisconsin drops to 6 and 2, 3 and 2 in Big 10 play and they will get ready to take on Iowa this Saturday uh, for the Heartland Trophy. The what is that a bowl? I believe it's a bowl, right, Bernie? Yeah, bowl. Yeah, yeah okay. All right. Uh, yeah, but before we before we go into the Iowa game, I want to kind of go back to the Ohio State game and there was some t- a tweet from one of your former teammates, Monte Ball. He tweeted during the game and I want to get your guys' take on the tweet, because it was about the offense. And he said, we can't be so one-dimensional all the time. This whole Wisconsin identity way is getting real old. We look great against the Kent States of the football, but when it's time to actually play some football, this is Wisconsin. Some may not like this tweet, but it is the truth. What do you does th- anybody have a take on Monte Ball and, and what he had to say there? Anybody? I mean, it's kind of the way it's always
2: been, right? I mean.
3: Well, unless you have Scott Tolzien or Russell that's we'll a send thing. a quarterback, a which thing. is what Monte played depends with.
2: On who your quarterback is right. Think of all the good seasons Wisconsin's ever had. What did they have? They had some sort of, some sort of quarterback that can, you know, lift up their game when their running attack isn't working or when the defense is honing in on their best player. You know, the running back they can actually play action, throw the ball deep with some accuracy, or you know, depend on some receivers to convert some first downs. I mean, this is, I almost feel like every single season, this is how it goes. We beat up on the teams we're supposed to. We get all hyped up. Ohio State comes to town, we go to somewhere, you know, some big team, and it's like, okay, here we go, here we go. And we lay an egg and we look awful. And then we complain about, oh, you know, badges this, badges that. It's always, like, that's just what it is. I mean, until we get a quarterback on a consistent level, consistently year after year, this is just how it's going to be. This is how we recruit, this is how we play, this is how we're coached. This is what it is. So it's true. So he's so he's telling the truth then. I mean, truth hurts sometimes, right? What do you want him to say? Well, no. Oh, they
3: tried hard out there. No, but, it, but it, what, lost. what it is is like it's. That's not being fair about it. It's being fair about it would be to say Wisconsin needs a quarterback that Paul Chris is going to have confidence in that he's going to be able to throw the ball like when Monte was playing with Russell and Scott Tolzien. That just, that's the accuracy of it. He's just a
2: frustrated fan. I mean, Right he okay. here, he's frustrated and he's. You know he's trying to figure it out. Like we sit here and try to figure it out. It's easy to jump on your initial thoughts, but I mean, is anyone surprised that was the, the, how the game went? No.
3: <laughs> but uh, but I guess I'm just. It's. I think it's kind of disingenuous to say that's Wisconsin's identity. It's Wisconsin's identity when they don't have Russell Wilson or Scott Tolzien. So is it just without that? That's that's the Wisconsin identity. Is what we're saying. Is what in that's the truth.
1: Maybe he just means more most recently you know i don't know if he's just uh
3: generalization but um because i think in that do they have the wide receivers do they have better wide receivers than when you guys played
4: so this is my take on it i think they have probably the strongest wide receiver group um and i also think they've been running a ton of the 11 personnel um so if you're gonna have that so-and-so identity that he's speaking of i'm not really sure what that is one dimensional identity just a one-dimensional... I Meaning
3: you, all you can do is run the ball and when the... But we didn't stopped. run the
4: ball for anything, so I don't know what he means by that. Or try to run the ball when you can't do anything on first down. Um, there's really not much you can do as an offense, period. And I think we were overmatched. I think the offensive line was way overmatched, as you saw. Um, and you can only run out of the 11 personnel and do so much from that. And if you're truly not going to open it up and cut it loose and let Jack throw the ball... Um, it's, that was just a, a tough game plan, in my opinion.
3: And is it hard to open it up and let them throw the ball when you can't protect? 100%. Chase, I mean, Chase Young ruined everything they were trying to do.
4: Yeah. And, and it wasn't wasn't just him. The rest of the defensive line is pretty good, too, but he was incredible. Well, I think the we're starting to see the offensive line is not as strong as we initially thought at the beginning of the year. Um, I think that's a fact, and that's that's always been the deal. you got to make sure you protect the quarterback, and especially when you have the best player in college football that you're going against you have to have at least a plan for it and some of the you know the tight end running back blocking max protection that was that that's on the coaching staff right there There were yeah.
1: times that there that's was th- what i was going to say as well i just from a protection standpoint was a little disappointed in how things played out with the you know doing some seven man six man protections and providing help but not um you know with two offensive linemen or you know, a, a suitable tight end. Yeah.
3: There there were times that Jake Ferguson was block, blocking him one-on-one. Chase Young, one-on-one. Like, And I went and asked Jake after the game if that was the plan going in, and he said yes. I'm like, why would that ever, I, I'm just thinking to myself, why would that ever be the plan?
4: That's a terrible plan. I mean, I think you <laughs> saw what the result of that was. I mean, what, Jack almost have, got his head took off.
3: Four or five sacks? He had four sacks, which set a, uh, tied a school
4: record. He had two forced fumbles. He was unstoppable. Were they moving him around a decent amount, too? Or was he playing on that one side?
1: They were. I think he had him at... Like a middle linebacker kind of rover spot for a while, if I remember. Correctly.
3: Yeah, he got Cole a couple times though too, and you know, and, and there was I don't think he got he got Bruss one time where Bruss wasn't even out of his stance by the time like he was hitting uh, Jack.
4: Yeah, people don't people don't realize, and it's easy when you look at the spread, but going to Ohio State um, as a group that's never played there before, um, and you have the crowd into it, the conditions weren't great. Um, it's a tough place to play. And you completely lose the pre snap advantage um, when you're playing at Ohio State and you can't hear anything and you're going on the silent count and you're not mixing it up. Um, just a complete disadvantage, especially when you're going against um, potentially the best player, number one draft pick overall going into next year. Um, yeah,
1: that, you know, some of those uncontrollables, I think, are things that definitely played a factor in the game but when i think what i was disappointed with was those controllables the pass protections you know the game plan balance getting out to a good start on first down taking care of the football a bunch of things like that
3: yeah and, and you know on defense i think you they did as much as you could ask for it especially in the first half right i mean you hold them to 10 points they get that late touchdown right before half but they were feeling good at halftime and then you know you get the touchdown coming out it's 10-7 and you kind of feel like you're gonna be able to make a run and then that offense just takes over and jk dobbins looked the part he said he was the best running back in the country before the season he looked apart, though he certainly had weapons around him but Justin Fields is just different like it's one thing to have her Terrell Pryor you know facing Terrell Pryor he's a good runner and he's an okay passer Justin Fields threw it all over the place it was fantastic and it was and if it wasn't raining and he said this after the game he thought they could have put, put up 50.
2: Here's the thing about football right it's about first half second half adjustments right so you got these two big teams that come to play. Um, they know they're they, they know each other well. They know how who's good, who can do what. You know, the first half is they're going to do their test plays, right? They're going to put you in certain formations. How are you going to line up? So if you're always state on offense and you're watching Wisconsin on defense, okay, how do they react to this play? What do we see here? All right, here's a, a second half adjustment right here. We could probably hit it deep here, or this play here. it's I mean, the first half score is great, but in the second half you got to see, okay, this is what Ohio State's capable of. Here are the X and O's. Here's our coaching taking over. And guess what? We have better players, superior players. Now we're really going to expose you and go full throttle here the second half. And that's just what happened. That's how. I feel like it always is. You always play a team close the first half. Okay, 10-7. Oh, we're in it, we're in it, we're in it. And guess what? They're just getting ready They're, to unleash. You know what they've been working on in practice the whole week and adjustments. When you're not, when you're least expecting, they get you kind of, you know, feeling good. And they, you know, drop some plays they've been holding the whole year on this game, and that's, I feel like, what happened. Is that the best team in football, college football right now? Is Ohio
3: State the best team? They certainly look like it. Obviously, they college football playoff rankings came out. They were number one. I think they probably have the best you know, resume, I guess, at this point. But I don't know. I think they've got the best combination, at least coaching, scheme, and players that we've seen to this point.
4: Yeah, it certainly looks like it. And people can make the argument on uh, strength of schedule with – LSU, Alabama, SEC, all the other stuff. Um, But Ohio State has looked unbelievable, and they've handled and then some, everybody that they've played. Um, And I don't necessarily understand how that that ranking deal works, but the good news is is there's a ton of football left, and I think all that stuff's going to sort itself out. Um, But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see this weekend how good Minnesota is how good Penn State is, um, if Wisconsin's worth anything against Iowa. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that, but yep. um, there's a lot of football left, so we'll see.
3: Yeah, the college football rankings came out, and I think it was a little bit of a surprise to see Wisconsin at 13 uh, coming off of two straight losses, and you have unbeaten Minnesota sitting four spots lower than
4: them at 17. And was, you know, Minnesota has beaten absolutely nobody at this point in this year. But Yeah, so going back, I don't think anybody was surprised with that Ohio State loss. No. Look, if they would have been. So it's a fluke loss at Illinois where everything went wrong, where it was a disaster. And then you go to Ohio State and lose. Right. So where do they. If we have one loss right now, everybody's just saying, oh, they're a top 10 team. Ohio State's just really good. They're the best team. We'll get a shot at them in the Big Ten championship. That's what everybody's saying if Illinois didn't happen. Do you think Wisconsin is a top 10 team? I think they can be. I think their defense can be if they want to. Um, But getting exposed and not being able to run the ball and not understanding or not knowing what our true identity is i think you can't say like this is our identity i don't think they know what their identity is right now as an offense And how bad is that sitting at eight games into a season right and you're still a top 15 team they're in a good position and they can do a lot of good things still but truly i think they just have to get back they have the best running back in in the nation they they're going to have a really tough test this week at Iowa, who's, I think, arguably, that's going to be a harder front seven to run the ball against than Ohio State. And people are going to disagree with me, but that is by far the most physical game every single year is the Iowa game. Um, so we'll see. I think it's going to you, yeah. You're an offensive lineman. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to try
3: and fight you on that, but there's no Chase Young on that other side of the ball.
4: Well, from a pass rush standpoint, I get that. But I mean, I'm Espinosa's actually Espinosa's running the ball. A.J. Uh, Espinosa. Yeah,
3: he's, he obviously can get after the quarterback. But it just feels like Ohio State is just something different, you know, when it all comes together. But you're right. Oh, Iowa's defense has stopped everybody this year. They haven't. I mean, it's, no one's put up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points on them. So it's, it's going to be a tough test. We'll talk about that Iowa game coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches
0: Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin
3: football roundtable. We're at Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Brady Ewing, Mike Taylor, and uh, Bill Nagy with us. I didn't, I didn't forget you, Bill. I apologize. It's all good. Yeah, haters gonna hate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin will take on Iowa this Saturday. It's number thirteen versus number eighteen. That's the college football playoff rankings. Iowa also six and two. Their losses uh, to Penn State and to Michigan. So. This Iowa game this both these teams, Wisconsin and Iowa, probably they're in must-win situations. They can't lose another game if they want to win the Big Ten West. Minnesota's two games up on them. Minnesota has probably the toughest schedule of those of the three teams in the West race left. They play Penn State this week, then they play Iowa, then they go to Northwestern and then they host Wisconsin. Um Minnesota's still 8 0 right now. We'll get to whether we think that they're any good or not, but I'm just wondering for you guys. Just a sold or not? Sold or not sold on this on this take? The winner of the Iowa Wisconsin Iowa Wisconsin game will win the Big Ten West. I'm sold.
1: Why? I don't think Minnesota is going to win this weekend. And who else did you say
3: they had left? Well, they, they got Iowa, they got Wisconsin, they got Northwestern.
1: Okay, and then I think we can beat those guys personally. So I say we we beat Iowa and we end up beating Minnesota. Win the
2: West, Mike. I would say not sold. I mean, Minnesota's in the driver's seat, right? Obviously, tough game this weekend, but it's going to come down to, was the last game of the season at Minnesota? Yeah. That's if we win this game. Obviously, I think Wisconsin's probably going to win this week, but, I mean, I know we're kind of hating on Minnesota, but they're a very capable team, right? Yeah. They- I mean, we didn't think they were capable last year, and they kind of smoked us last year on our home field. So, sure, I wouldn't put anything past Minnesota, especially the last game, rival game, anything can happen. Definitely not sold on Wisconsin winning. I'd say if there's anyone that's capable, I'd say Minnesota is, I'd say, likely to win it right now. Prove me wrong, though.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I I don't just, I mean, obviously, you probably haven't seen, I don't think any of us have seen a ton of uh, Minnesota games this year, but in the few that I have seen, at least early on, they were just scraping by. Now they've beaten the crap out of the last four teams that they've played. I think well, we started out hot and now look at us. So like, yeah, it's right, I'm, two different. I'm saying like we don't know who Minnesota is and do we know who Wisconsin is? <laughs> you know <laughs> it what I mean?
1: Doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. Right. Like well, one thing I will Bil- say about Minnesota too is I feel like they have some confidence from last year. A lot of the same guys coming back. I think they were a young team. You know, they hadn't beaten Wisconsin for you know, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it might have been and now they got some confidence rolling too, so that would uh, would scare me a little bit coming down to the last game.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it took They barely got by South Dakota State to open the season and beat them by seven. Then beat Fresno State in overtime, in two overtimes. Then Georgia Southern, they needed a late score to beat Georgia Southern earlier in the year. Then they barely beat Purdue. And then they've gone on a little bit of a run here. They beat crap out of Illinois, which Wisconsin obviously could not do. Uh, Minnesota, then they beat Nebraska, crushed Rutgers, and then whipped Maryland. And now they've got their four toughest games. I don't think we know who they are. Certainly don't think... We can say that they're good or that they're bad.
4: I don't. They haven't played anybody.
3: Right. Like, nobody.
4: They really haven't. Um,
3: I'm not saying they're not any good, but we don't know that they're good. So here's
4: the deal. Like, you have to be a well-coached, disciplined team to go 8-0, period. Um, that's not just luck. I think after this weekend, and it'll be very easy to answer that question, I think they're going to get smoked by Penn State personally. Um if you want to bet a game, seven <laughs> points, that's free money right there. What is Penn, what is Penn State? State favored by? Seven. seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a touchdown. Is it at, is it at Penn State? It's at, it's at Minnesota. It's an early game. I think that. Penn State is a really, really good team. I don't think Minnesota has it. Um, but also, to answer your question, I think Iowa's offense is absolutely terrible.
3: Which is surprising because they have the senior quarterback, and they have some talent, but they've also had some injuries, and they're – their offensive line, we talked to the Iowa beat writer uh, for the Athletics, Scott Docterman, on our podcast earlier this week, and he said their two guards are the worst guards that Kirk Ferentz has ever had.
4: Really? Yeah. They have a really good left tackle, don't they? Yeah. Uh, the worst or something? Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: He, he's going to be Oof. like a top ten pick. And their right yeah. tackle is apparently pretty good too, but their inside is not. Wisconsin's had some issues inside, right, uh, at, their, at their guard spots this year. Apparently Iowa's been just
4: horrendous. Yeah, that's tough. But, I mean, you see what the results are. They haven't put up points. They have a senior quarterback. Um, and is always that wide stretch, play action pass, take a few shots, bend, don't break defense. You know exactly what the game's going to be.
3: Well, and then the other thing that he says, they've been in the shotgun a ton this year, too, just like Wisconsin.
4: Yeah. I don't know what their <laughs> tight end situation is or fullback or whatever the deal is, but they're obviously having a really tough time. Yeah running the ball on first and second down and that's been the tale of the last two games for wisconsin as well um yeah
2: here's the I, thing you don't need to be good a good team the last game minnesota versus wisconsin it's not going to come down to who's good it's going to come down to like last year you know who wants it wisconsin was good last year minnesota was bad last year and minnesota smoked wisconsin it's Just like it's not going to matter i feel like it's just going to It's going to be two teams that somewhat hate each other and you get hyped for, and guess what? There's going to be a lot on the line. I think everyone agrees here. Penn State's going to beat Minnesota. We're going to beat Iowa. It's going to come down to that last game of the year, and it's going to be like, you know what? Anything can happen type of thing.
3: So you don't think you guys were the better team at any point like or sure. no, no, at those points that you beat them fourteen straight times, you guys weren't the better well, I mean, team. I just of course, you thought you were better.
2: Minnesota knew they were worse. I mean, that's just what it was, right? But now Minnesota probably thinks like, oh, we can take them. We took them last year. Like, I mean, Wisconsin's kind of maybe shaken up. We lost to Illinois. Northwestern was a struggle. Um, we got stomped by Ohio State. Like, I mean, well, and that's what I'm wondering. Where is the confidence level
3: of Wisconsin at this point, especially defensively? They got run at the end of the Illinois game. They got crushed in the second half of the Ohio State game. They are a good defense. I think they are. I know they are. I think I know they are. Do they have confidence coming into this one, especially against an Iowa team
2: that they've I dominated? I so. This is the type of game Wisconsin is going to be good at, right? Fill the box with a bunch of hogs and just play hardcore football. <laughs> like, you know, run the ball, tackle the ball. It's not going to be deep passes or complex passing s- schemes and routes. It's going to be you have three seconds to rush the quarterback, It's going to be draws and handoffs with 21 personnel, 22 personnel. Oh, some 11 personnel in there. Okay, they they hand it off. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, everything in front of you, nothing over the top. It's going to be a a pound the ball.
1: From a defensive standpoint, I'm not a defensive expert by any means, but it seems like they've struggled the last two weeks or a couple weeks when somebody's had playmakers on the outside. You know, receivers that could stretch the field and the ability to do that consistently and not just on a – you know one shot or two shot basis like a team like Iowa or we typically have done at Wisconsin
4: I'm going to I'm going to give a different take on that I don't think people realize how good Illinois front 7 is um, and I think they exposed our offensive line and then obviously we talked about Chase Young for the first 10 minutes of the show <laughs> I feel like but yeah it's it's going to come down to the front 7 that, that's what this game is always about and there's going to be the big plays It's going to be who, you know, turnovers, no big plays, and who wins the line of scrimmage. That's just going to be the game. Is
3: Wisconsin's offensive line good enough to win the line of scrimmage?
4: I think they have the talent, too. Um, That's why you play the game. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely good enough at just executing the plays, right?
1: Yeah, and putting
2: them in a position to succeed, too. Right, yes. Coaching comes into it.
3: I don't think, again, I think it goes back to this, and I don't know if I'll ever forget it. Jake Ferguson blocking Chase Young one on one like that's not good coaching. That's not. If that's the plan, that's a horrible plan, and it didn't go very well. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what the protection was called
1: on that play, but it wasn't just once. It was. He said once. he he was he was slated that was yes. the game plan to have one on one matchup. Yes, Chelsea. I asked I asked him Are that's you,
4: false. There's no way.
3: I, that's I, hard I, for me to believe. I asked him after the game. I said, "Are you? Do, were you planning coming in to have Let to me block, block him, him
2: with, Coach? I can do block it. Him,
3: <laughs> <laughs> block, him on, block him. Block him one on Block him one on one." And he said yes, and I said, did you feel comfortable about that? And he said, yeah, I felt good about coming into the week. I don't know what – I don't that know. that confidence. It would have been – I mean, is no a bad answer there in, in terms of saying I wasn't expecting to be one-on-one? Is that a bad answer? You
2: know, you when, know what? Something's it it like,
3: happens because oh, like, he gets, if he gets lost in, like, think, yeah. in a protection Jake's, sometimes.
4: Jake's not trying to throw anybody under the bus with that question. For sure. I think that's right. more of a, hey – You're called upon to block this guy one-on-one. Are you going to man up and try to do it? Are you expecting to do it? If that's what the deal is, you got to do it. I think that there was supposed to be the running back and the tight end on that protection. Probably. From what it looked like to me. Um, But here's the deal. There were so many other different intangibles with the front seven. It it wasn't just that. Um, Those guys didn't run the ball, as we've said numerous times. But, uh, yeah, it's... You never want to have, and it doesn't have to be Chase Young, a defensive end pass rusher period on right. a running back, tight end, anybody outside of an offensive lineman. Yeah. That's not a good matchup. That's not what the game plan was. I guarantee that.
3: Yeah. Uh, again, Wisconsin will take on Iowa this Saturday. They've had uh, several really fun games in the past, including 2010. I want to talk about that game. That was a fun one down at Iowa City, we'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club
0: in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're at Coaches Club in Cross Plains right on Main Street. The Former Badgers Bill Nagy, Mike Taylor, and Brady Ewing. Uh, Wisconsin is going to be taking on Iowa on Saturday. It's a big matchup for both teams. They've played uh, quite a few big games uh, of late, uh, you know, last 10 years or so. And Wisconsin has come out on top more often than not. They've won three straight. And uh, they also won the game back in 2010, which is probably, I think, the highlight of the series at least on Wisconsin's side, um, as Wisconsin came back. They won that game 31-30. to It was not until a late—well, I shouldn't say—I won't uh, take the defense. I won't take shots at the defense. They got the stop that they needed to there after Wisconsin scored to make it 31-30. But the drive that I think everybody remembers is the 15 plays, 80 yards that you guys went, including the fake punt. Uh, there was a 4th-and-5 completion, Devontae Ball. Then he had the 8-yard touchdown run. Uh, for, and I know, Bill, you were in the game at that point as well. Brady, you two. Which, which uh, what a play on that drive stands out for you guys? Is it, I mean, I know the, the, the punt, the fake punt is, were you on the field for that one? I was, yeah. Is that what one stick out a, probably
1: to do? you? It does. I had a th- horrible thigh contusion, actually, and I could heart, luckily, they called the fake punt because I was just hobbling left and right <laughs> and trying to run downfield just to get my guy to follow me so Brad Norman could. It was a great uh, call growing up the middle. Um, it was wide open. Yeah, it was a great call and something we, they had seen on film from, you know, the way that they brought somebody up and spied the punter. They only brought one guy. We had two or three guys in the shield, uh, pretty easy block. And, um, you know, they're man blocking on the punt return. So they followed cue to what they had done consistently and it, and it worked out great. I think as far as other than that play it would just be the touchdown play. You know, the, The build-up of the review of reaching out over the goal line or the potential fumble, um, yeah, sticks out in my head.
4: Bill, what about you? I think it's got to be the touchdown, the second, third effort um, from Monte. um, That's what I remember. And obviously blocking for it, and you see that in the second effort, and that was 100%, you know, just him willing it and him doing that himself. That was pretty cool to see, especially after – a long drive and him stepping up too. Guys don't yeah. realize that um, John Clay, I think, was out for whatever reason it was, or John, uh, James White was out and John was hobbled. John
2: Clay had a pretty good game that
4: he did, and he
3: was in on that drive. but Monte finished it.
4: That's what it was, because yeah. I remember. Yeah. So James, James what, was out what, of the side. What him. happened with James? He
3: it? Uh, did like a he had a knee earlier in that game. He got, yeah, yeah. MCL, got I think. Yeah, Hope he got LA hurt. Or something.
4: Yeah, he got hurt earlier in that game. That was cool to see. And that year. Um, I think that stands out because we had almost all three of those guys went for a thousand. I think there was one guy short, like Ma- Monte five came yards up, or something.
3: Monte came up six, yeah, four yards short. They really? get nine ninety six.
4: Yeah, but that was just kind of you know the next next guy up, and that was cool to see. And that's what what stands out to me.
3: It was kind of his that game was kind of his jump off point. You know, I mean,
4: like he didn't yeah, play he at all. The he got some serious confidence, and yeah, because I mean, he didn't his th- history. Obviously, d- his career was unbelievable after that. But yeah. that gave him a ton of confidence.
3: It did, and I. Was sitting. I was at. <laughs> I was at that game, and uh, was actually on the other side. And like, so you couldn't see. Like, you, a lot of people thought in the, in the crowd it was a fumble. Like when he reached across the goal line, yeah. a lot of people thought it was a fumble. And then you see it on the on the big board. And it's like, "Nope, that's a touchdown." What were you guys on, on the sideline just watching that whole thing play out, Mike? What were you guys thinking? I'm assuming we're gonna have to go back out there.
2: So that was what 2010 the prior drive to. That was like the prior drive to the last drive? Yeah, that was Wisconsin's. So we took the lead right there, yep. 31-30. Yeah. I think what I was saying is like we scored too soon, to be <laughs> honest. was like, well, it's 31-30 now. They're probably going to come back down and kick the field goal. I mean, not thinking that, but like right. we're giving them a chance to actually do this here. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, it was a long drive. We got a break, but I think that's probably what we were thinking is like, uh-oh. I mean, how much time was left? Do you? Well, there
3: was about, a, I mean, there was about, I think, like 50 seconds
2: left. Uh, was it? Yeah, but... But, you know, in college football. I mean, if they mark them down there and it's, you let the time the clock run, that's another 30 gone. It's like, okay, obviously nothing's guaranteed, but you punch it in 30 seconds, like, okay, it's a for sure win because I think following drive, they're marching down the field and they're on the cusp of field goal range. And if not for a bad call by Kirk Friends to call a timeout when the clock was stopped already, it kind of sealed their fate. But, I mean, kind of like the Michigan State game, the following year, you know, time management wise, just like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it probably wasn't the best idea to use that timeout. You probably would have got a kick for a field goal to win the game if you didn't screw it up there. But right, um, you no. Know, I mean, obviously, it was a high-scoring game, and defensively, we didn't do much to stop but Thank God we had a good offense in that last drive. To I mean, it was just one of those things. You're know, on the edge of your seat watching. It's like these, geez, fourth and five, third and five, fourth and five, and these conversions, conversions, and no, no big plays. I mean, 15-play drive. You're just <laughs> you're you're so tense watching. Like, okay, score the touchdown, Now it's on us. I don't know it was a fun game to watch as a fan and as a player too, and obviously to be able to come out on the winning side of that, it was a great game to be a part of. I think like the longest play of the drive was the fake punt. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it probably was. Probably.
3: And and you guys ran it again though too, didn't you? Like you ran it in the Rose Bowl, uh, the fake punt. Did we? It, it, it probably didn't work. It sounds like. I think it got a first down, <laughs> yeah. but it was not as memorable as that. That was. And, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember Niles Brinkley getting torched with all those big plays. <laughs> just looking back like that's that's what sticks out to me. Iowa in game the Rose yeah. Bowl? yeah, Iowa. Yeah, right. yeah Iowa game. Like again. Well, Come they, in her.
3: Who's who is the g- <clears throat> Speaking of big plays in that game. JJ Watt blocking the extra point that allowed that to be a, a 31-30 game. I forgot about that. Yeah. And he also had a sack in that final drive, kind of uh, dropped him back a little bit further as well.
2: You know, he probably gave up four big plays at the same, <laughs> same game, so, I mean, kind of equaled out. Oh, no.
3: <laughs> Shots fired. Um, I knew that th- I knew that was the way I was going to go when I asked that question.
2: Uh, no, it was, a fun, it was a fun rivalry game. I mean, I think back then we didn't play Iowa very many times, did we? I mean, it wasn't an every year thing. I only played Iowa, I think, twice my think whole course. career. Yeah. 0-9 and and and, uh, and ten. Oh right? nine and ten, and it's one of those games where, as Wisconsin, you know, kid growing up, a fan, it's Wisconsin versus Iowa every single year. Like, oh, this is gonna be a good game, and we only played them two of. I what,
1: think four I only years. played them one one time.
3: What? No, like, guys played them in 0-8 and 0-9 and in ten. Oh eight because oh eight because I was down there <laughs> and they got you guys got <laughs> smacked. That was my uh, first Sean,
4: start ever. Sean Green just uh, ran Jeez, all Bill. terrible oh, all over people. But that Mitch was also King, still have nightmares of that dude, <laughs> Who? Mitch King, the defense, the D tackle, yeah, yeah. The long hair baller. guy. He's a good player. Yeah, they had, they had a good they front seven.
2: Claiborne, they had Claiborne, Adrian
3: Claiborne. He was, a, but he and yeah, ten. That was that was the matchup between the best offensive line in of the country Gabe? and the best defensive line. Oh the man, country. that's what, that's what that was built as.
4: Gabe had a rough a rough one in that 2009 <laughs> deal, but he, I think he had a shoulder. In it wasn't healthy playing that
3: I'm one. talking about 2010. It was like oh, that, that yeah. was the matchup with the best offensive line versus the best defensive line in the country. They had Claiborne. He was like the leader of
4: that. But I had but Daniels too. Mike Daniels was on that. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he was.
1: Um, I had caught some flack that game, I guess. I We did a, a play where I cut the backside defensive end with Claiborne, and I had missed my aiming point, I hit him almost from behind and bent him backwards nice. and, and he tweaked his knee. And so I guess on ESPN you they called me it. a bunch of flack and calling me dirty and all Dirty player. <laughs> i remember Brady a couple Ewing. those plays in practice. 34. <laughs> my knee hurts still.
3: So Brady's at, at fault for some of your uh, your knee injuries then, huh? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. All those shots <laughs> that you had to you had to end up taking it was all because of Brady? <laughs>
2: um I usually didn't cut in practice. <laughs> No, I Jake Current though. Wow, I wish <laughs> I could go back. If I could go back for one practice and go against one guy, it'd be Jake Current and just be dirty, I would just be super dirty. Pre or post shower, Jake Current? <laughs>
1: Before. Was there ever a post shower, <laughs> Jake Current? <laughs> the uh, dude, I feel like he was never, never clean. <laughs> he, he was throwing it. that out there. Yeah, yeah, no, he was the, he, he was
3: the big time recruit. That was supposed to play at left tackle, like take over for uh, for Joe Thomas.
4: He gave I, uh, Ohio. He
3: uh, He gave. he was. <laughs> no, he gave Ohio away, a bad right? name. Yeah, yeah. Back then, but then all of a sudden, but ga- but all. <laughs> he must but, have but, lied
4: about a few inches.
3: But, but. <laughs> Pause. But then uh, Gabe Creamer came along and he was left tackle instead. Worked out. Obviously, uh, he's like six feet tall. I never knew that Jay Curran's was. I always yeah. thought he was a walk on. Am, am I? Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Are you thinking? I think there was a left Oh, no, Jake Bashir no, no. you're thinking. of. Yes, yes, I am. You're right. That's right. Yeah, Jake Current, the
4: Salmon King.
3: Jake, yeah, Jake Bashir was the big tackle. Was the big left tackle that that was going to take over he's for, from for Joe Bay. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: That's right. That's my bad. Um, yeah, Ry- Jake Kern? I'm like, dude the dude is six <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> he's, he's supposed to take over Joe Thomas. Wrong, Jake. Oh Wrong, Jake. God.
3: Um, trophy games. Obviously, they're playing for the bowl this week. Is they it a Bull or is it a hog? It's a bowl. Are we sure? It yeah, it's got is it horns on it. I thought it was a pork. It's a Heartland Trophy, right? It's a Heartland Trophy. It's got a brass bull, it's I think, is what it is. Is it I a bowl? I thought
2: it was a... The fact that we don't know what steer. it is is
3: kind of ridiculous.
2: I mean, what it else do we steer. play? Should we play for the Axe. <laughs> we play for the...
3: Freedom horse? Trophy? What is that? <laughs> Some stupid trophy that Gary Anderson brass came bird? up with. Yeah. It's uh, yes. It's got it's a school flag on the top. So, I'm guessing we know what the answer to the best rivalry trophy is then. Easily, the axe. The slab of bacon. The, the old slab of bacon, yes. The one that got lost lost. Yeah. Uh, in the old Camp Randall when they found it when they you did the renovation. You would think the axe would be a lot heavier. It looks so heavy on TV, doesn't it? It does. It's super light. What was your favorite time with the axe? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing, I'm obviously you guys chopped the goalpost, right? That's what you guys did with it. I'm picturing PJ Fleck sleeping with it like for like <laughs> three weeks after after winning it. I don't know what
2: they do over there. I don't know. They yeah. never had it, right? So right,
3: but it, but it's a, it was a tradition here. You don't touch the axe until you're a
2: senior, right? I think that's kind of like the unwritten rule. I know I did that. Right. Looking back, it's kind of stupid that I did that. But <laughs> on the field, at least, I think in the locker room, you know, as a position group, yeah, we no. would always take pictures Absolutely. with it in the
1: locker room or on the field after the game. But as far as chopping the goalpost down or you know taking it around the stadium to show to the fans, I'd say
3: I didn't do it until a senior year. Bill. Did you, did you ever get it? You chopped it, obviously, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where you just kind of knew your role, and you <laughs> knew when it was time. And there was, for example, like you, you see the the picture that sticks out to me when I think of the axe is Joe Thomas, yeah, right? Yeah. When I'm a freshman, Joe Thomas is a senior, and he has the axe. Like you just, nobody's taking it from him, right? Like that's kind of the deal. And when you're a senior, everybody kind of falls in line, but. I don't know if that's that's changed. Probably no, it, has.
3: No, but. it was. It. I think it's still up through. Obviously, they didn't have it last year, but the previous year, you know, the seniors they get their last chance at it. And so the seniors that didn't get their chance, like T.J. Edwards, didn't get an opportunity, and Ryan Connolly, despite playing so many snaps and so many minutes against Minnesota before, they hadn't touched the axe on the field, and they didn't get a chance to do it last year.
4: Yeah, I didn't know about that little rule. I had no idea. So, like, but you just so you just didn't you just didn't do it until you just year? didn't do it. I mean, we—it was such a staple. It was like you just don't lose the axe. It's like, oh, there's the, yeah, like that's oh. we, we have it. It wasn't like a super cool thing. It's such a and I, I kind of wish it was a cool thing, but I we won cool. it every single year. And I never, I don't, I don't know life without it as a Wisconsin football player. And fifteen straight years, it was just an expectation. And that's why I think last year was so disappointing. And not that you. Everybody loses a football game, but just the way that they lost it last year.
3: Yeah, we'll have a shot uh, in a couple weeks or about three weeks uh, against Minnesota up in the Twin Cities to take the axe back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Iowa game on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club
0: in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Here with four Badgers Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor. We're at Coach's Club in Cross Plains get ready for wisconsin and iowa on saturday uh there's been some news ncaa news there's been a couple different things we we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago about the uh the ncaa's decision or push towards allowing like name image likeness players to make money off their their likeness we kind of talked about that um there's another situation involving a wisconsin guy and this is this is not just a basketball issue it's a you know transfer issue in general for ncaa athletes and uh, Micah Potter is his name. He is a uh, from Ohio State. He, was, he went to Ohio State. He didn't play last fall. He transferred to Wisconsin in December and has sat out obviously a full year now, but not at Wisconsin. He's only been at Wisconsin for a semester. And he was trying to get a waiver for the NCAA to allow him to play right away at the beginning of first semester here, and so he'd be able to play the month of November and all of December. The NCAA has denied his waiver. That despite them approving waivers throughout the rest of the NCAA there's only i think of about 80 waivers i think nine have gotten denied um his waiver you would seem to have a pretty good case he sat out he's already sat out a year he hasn't played when it comes to uh, uh, transfers just in, in college football college basketball whatever it is is it do you guys think they need to sit out a year do you think or are you just allow them to play no matter what one free tra- maybe like one free transfer and the next time you, you have to sit out here, how how what would you guys say? It, it, this is all about student or you know at student athlete empowerment and allowing them to benefit from it. It feels like the NCAA is being overly stringent. I would say. Yeah. Anybody? I mean, if they're, they're gonna
4: bill? all of a sudden let these guys, um, you know, have their own business and make money and have their own brand, let them transfer, let them do what they want to do. Coaches can do it. Um, and as long as there's a school and a university that is willing to give somebody a chance and welcome them into their locker room and their program, why are you going to, you know, take an opportunity away from a kid? Especially, That's my take on it.
3: And especially he's a good student. Like, it, a lot of the, the year sitting out is to acclimate to the, I don't know, the, the the academic environment that you're going into, which is kind of a farce anyways. But he's a good student. He's a three, got a 3-plus GPA, and he's done everything. He's fit right in. And, you know, and you see the consistency or the lack of consistency from the ncaa i think is probably the most maddening thing for everybody and i would assume it is for players as well
4: i'm just curious what the ncaa is worried about with all these transfers um maybe it's you know kids taking it out because they're frustrated or they're not playing but here's the deal like there has to be another university that's willing to take on that scholarship and there's a process where they're going to not take on a kid that has a bad attitude or is flunking out of school and has a poor transcript, so they're just limiting these kids to to be in a better place and you know continue to grow and have a good opportunity. Is my take on
3: it right? And then, and look, there's the graduate transfer that you're able to play right away, obviously, and that's been pretty beneficial to Wisconsin. It's beneficial to teams that you know that you played on Brady and that you played on Mike in terms of getting Russell Wilson in there. So just because a kid graduates. It makes it okay. It makes it okay to transfer because because it goes back to the whole student athlete act. You know when we all know that's a bunch of BS, right? The NCAA, when it comes to it, for sure. And I think especially with this Micah
1: Potter situation, I think the biggest frustrating part is just the inconsistency with other people that they've already granted these waivers for. Um, the guy hasn't played basketball for a year. Let's let him play the game. He's shown he's acclimated to the University of Wisconsin, and from student athlete standpoint,
3: yeah, just let him roll. Yeah, and uh, it, right, it is the lack of consistency and the similar because the thing is, it goes to an, it goes to a committee and that there's seven people on that committee, but it's not the same committee that views all the transfers, like all the waivers that they take in. It's not the same seven people judging it, and that makes hmm. and that makes for inconsistencies.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and then you look at the you know name, image, and likeness deal too. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that's going to come down to too is that consistency, you know, from state to state, conference to conference, um, you know, all that stuff too. Do
3: you guys think it's kind of the NCAA kicking it, kicking the can down the, the road a little bit to fully paying players, schools paying players, but that by them allowing this and this name, image, and likeness thing, I think that's some people's criticism of it. Not fully going and allowing players to be paid. This is allowing them to
2: make it's a little bit of a half measure. Well, you know what, California was the first state, right? <clears throat> right. That made it legal. Well, that, they, y- it, they made
3: yes, they made it for the to be able to play that, players. But that is not till 2023. Okay, and it sounds like other states are putting legislation through as well. Wisconsin has some legislation that potentially could come as well.
2: So, I mean, if they allow this to happen, is there any scenario where, you know, they say they allow it but then when a push comes to shove, can they delay it or prolong it or you know all these states you know wanting to push for this to be legalized and the NSA is like no 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 we we're, we're, we're taking everything. care of it and then kind of just push it off and you know take the, the government out of it but then when it comes time to actually do something about it they just kind of say oh yeah we you know never got to the point of actually taking care of it so is it trying to keep the government out of it for a little bit and saying that they're going to do it and then just maybe never do it or you know not come up with a certain plan of how of doing it so it's kind of wishy-washy you know, right now, of how are exactly how are, you know how you're gonna do, how are you gonna pay these players? How are they gonna get paid? Is it one guy's gonna take all the cash, take all the sponsorships, and you know, the backup running back sees the starting running back make you know a hundred thousand dollars in a year, and then the kid behind him just like, oh, I'm just you know, yeah, I'm not important either. So. Yeah.
3: No, it is. And the, the California said to this legislation, it doesn't matter. We're not stopping until it's everyone can be paid to be played it's a you know pay to play i think is what the the legislation is not just in california but across the country so i don't think they're going to stop until it's until everyone's being able to the universities are paying players
2: yeah and i i wish it would be through the actual university i wish it wasn't from just you know outside sources saying oh you know you can make money on a commercial but you know you're not a you're not worth anything to your actual own university or or conference we'll pay you and the university is okay with like okay you got everyone else can pay us on the outside yeah but we're not going to pay you. Oh, they're getting paid, but not through us. It's kind of like, so are we not important to you guys? You know, you're I, not I, really taking care of us.
3: Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, real quickly before uh, we get going here, prediction for Saturday. Prediction, Brady. What do you got? I got uh, Wisconsin by
4: fourteen. Uh, Bill, you know, what do you got? Seventeen, thirteen, Badgers. And Mike, I'm going to go and say
2: I think Wisconsin actually finally pulls something together a little bit and s- scores a lot and keeps it low. I'll say twenty-eight to eleven. And these and these are all these are both
3: uh, <laughs> yeah, these are these are both predictions, heart and mind, or are we doing? Or are there two different ones here? This is all mind. This is all mind. Bill, mind and heart. It's mind, mind, Brady. I'm taking a little hard into it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll you see how, I'm a homer. Yeah, no. What we'll did see. You say I, it was going to be got Badgers by fourteen.
1: I'll
3: say 28-14. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Wisconsin and Iowa, three o'clock Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium. The winner will keep their hopes alive for a title in the Big Ten West. Until next week, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains.
0: This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.